You're listening to a special episode of the Everything Life Coaching Podcast, Coaching Mastery with Noelle Cordeaux, CEO of Lumia. Explore transformative coaching concepts, tried and true methodologies, and powerful insights from the front lines of the professional coaching field. Whether you're an established coach seeking fresh perspectives or looking to begin your coach training education, welcome to your one-stop resource for all things life coaching. This is Coaching Mastery. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everything Life Coaching. Noelle here, and today I'm super excited to be kicking off a new series exploring the ICF core competencies. So what are the ICF core competencies and why are we exploring them in a series? Well, they are very important for coaches because they are a series of standards that were developed to support ICF coaches in a collective understanding of skills and approaches that define the work of coaches. Why is this important? Because as a new discipline for coaches who call themselves ICF coaches, who are ICF members, ICF credential holders, or who have been certified through an ICF coach training program, when we all have the same set of standards, when we all have the same rules that apply to our work, uh, when we all have the same code of ethics that we abide by, our craft, our trade is recognizable to us as coaches, it's recognizable to consumers, and it elevates the work of coaches globally. The core competencies that have been developed by the ICF are especially important for students of coaching because they serve as the foundation of the credentialing process itself. And this includes the ICF credentialing exam. So these are the pieces of information that you need to gain your ICF credential. And we're going to deep dive on them so that you have a ready companion as you go. The core competencies also support existing ICF coaches in having a unified and global set of standards and also definitions, which is always good to reflect on that as we go and enact our work. It is important to note that while the competencies flow in a specific order, they're actually not weighted or hierarchical. Rather, each competency in and of itself represents a core and critical skill set for any coach to demonstrate. Coaching is a new discipline. It is probably 35 to 37 years old when we're talking about ICF land, global standards, and these core competencies were created originally not that long ago in 1998. That's the year that I graduated from high school. (laughs) Taking a trip down memory lane, okay. So in 1998, was when the ICF first put these competencies together. So um, coaches who were working at that time, who joined the ICF, took their craft, took all of the theoretical underpinnings, moved them into a body of work, and started a body of uh, theoretical and empirical research that we now hold as the foundation of coaching. 
In 2019, the ICF released an updated version of the competency. So fast forward into adult life as a coach, I remember when these competencies uh, came out in the updated version and they were consolidated. They were consolidated from a really long list to a much more actionable and accessible list and they were rearranged and some other key components were highlighted. These updated competencies were then integrated into all coach training programs in 2021. And then as of 2022, the updated core competencies were moved into all of the credentialing performance evaluations and written exam requirements. And so this was a slow rollout over the years and thousands of people's thought, leadership, assessment, awareness went into developing the competencies themselves um, and the process. So when the ICF updated the core competencies. They did so through a rigorous analysis that spanned 24 months. And updates to the competencies were made due to all of the areas that coaches, clients, employers, everyone in the world of coaching was saying, we need more of this. And so what we have now in the the current iteration represents uh, an expanded focus on ethical behavior and confidentiality, the importance of coaching mindset, which is one of my favorite of the competencies, and that's a new one. And this includes an ongoing reflective practice for coaches, which is also such an important part of our work. And it's something that people don't naturally think about. And so the fact that the ICF took the time to name a reflective process and to build it right into the competencies is so supportive for all of us as coaches who want to deepen and learn in our craft, which is also a very solitary journey often as you're working as a coach. And so having a built-in standard around reflective practice is a little reminder for all of us to stop, drop, set some time aside and think about what we've learned, uh, how we've grown, what we can do, what we can do more of, what we want to do better in and where the gaps in our knowledge are. Another area that the new competencies really moved in on is the critical distinctions between various levels of coaching agreements. And here, I always like to refer to the ICF Code of Ethics interpretive statements. For those of you who don't know me, hi, I'm Noelle, and I dork out on ethics all the time. Um, And I love, love, love the ICF uh, interpretive statements. You can find them right on the website. And even if you're thinking about becoming a coach, this is a great place to start. Because if you take the time to read all of the interpretive statements that have gone into the ICF Code of Ethics, you get a really clear picture of what it will be like, what it could be like, and all of the different nuances that surround working as a coach. Um, Another piece of the core competencies that was really highlighted this time around was the critical partnership between coach and client. And this is a really cool area of, of study. It doesn't sound like it at the outset, the critical partnership between coach and client, but really what we're talking about is offsetting power dynamics 
that usually exist when one person is a practitioner, traditionally in a place of power, like a doctor, a therapist, a mentor, a consultant who says, this is what I see, know, and set the agenda, template, treatment plan, whatever. Um, And the coach who is a truly a co-equal strategist um, in the client's life, whose job it is to always center that client, always center their autonomy, to assume a space of not knowing, to assume a space of humility. And as we're thinking about our times, um, that space of undoing power dynamics and holding a, a a space of humility is radical, is radical. And it is coming to us from the world of coaching. And finally, this really leads us uh, to another aspect that's built right into the competencies, which is the importance of cultural, systemic, and contextual awareness. Now, you all live, live in the same world that I do. And I think we can all agree that in looking at our spaces, our time, our homes, our neighborhood, uh, the news, social media, one of the things that we see is lacking awareness of systems, of culture, and often of context. And so this is uh, one way where Coaching as a discipline allows us to gain superpowers as a human and skill sets that really cut through a lot of the noise and allow us to be of service to others in deeper um, and more critical ways that truly benefit society in building bridges, building solid relationships, um, and building norms around having and holding awareness. All of these updates Uh, reflect the values that we hold as coaches. And what we're seeing, again, is the need for increased support that comes from the ICF around um, how coaches work in ever more complicated and technical roles. And that's why there's a focus on contracting and the need for the coach to build an awareness-based relationship with themselves in terms of reflection And then once again, centering relationships themselves in the work of coaching in terms of a co-equal relationship that undoes a lot of power dynamics that exist in the world. And then finally, the ICF is really calling for all of our levels of consciousness and awareness to be raised so that all coaches can bring an awareness of themselves, their own lenses, and the major systems and aspects of culture to the table in our work. And I am really proud to represent a discipline that holds up ethics, self-awareness, relationships, clear communication, and systemic awareness as paramount skills for supporting humans in the ever-changing landscape of the 21st century. These are touchstones that not only benefit coaches and clients, but society as a whole as we navigate our time. Thanks so much, everyone. And I hope that you enjoy the series on the ICF core competencies. And first, we're going to begin by exploring what falls under the foundation of coaching, which is competency number one, and it's called demonstrates an ethical practice. At the heart and center of coaching is the ICF 
code of ethics. And we're going to talk a lot more about that later on. But first, we really need to understand what it means as a coach to embody the behaviors that go along with demonstrating an ethical practice. The definition that the ICF uses is that you understand and consistently apply coaching ethics and standards of coaching. So first up, we have demonstrating personal integrity and honesty in interactions with clients, sponsors, and relevant stakeholders. What does this mean? It means so many different things. I mean, do what you say you're going to do. Have honest and accurate marketing. Accurately express your credentials. Adhere to the rules of the ICF code of ethics in all of the ways that you conduct business, and you're good to go with that particular standard. The next one that comes up is sensitivity to a client's environment, experiences, values, and beliefs. This is so important in coaching. The ICF code of ethics directly talks about the fact that Systemic inequality is one of the things that prevents humans all over the world from accessing coaching equally because some people have uh, resources and psychological safety or physical safety that others don't have. And so as coaches, if we're thinking about our work from an ethical intersectional lens, this is one of the things that we need to begin harnessing awareness around is what is it about our client that makes them different? How are they impacted by their environment? How are they impacted by their experiences? What are our client's values and beliefs? And in this way, we're centering the client and taking uh, the time to generate a deeper intersectional understanding of who this person is and what they're up against in the world. And that makes all the difference in terms of conducting a judgment-free, unbiased space for our clients. The third piece of demonstrating an ethical practice is the language that we use to make sure that our language is appropriate and respectful to clients, sponsors, and other stakeholders. It's a best practice in the world of coaching to mirror the language that your clients use. And if your client uses a term that you're not familiar with, um, simply ask and say, hey, that's a term that I'm not familiar with. What does that mean? Uh, I live in the city of Philadelphia in Pennsylvania in the US, and there's a term in Philly uh, called John. And John, can be anything. It's usually a noun, um, but it, it, you know, I'm going to that John. I, I'm going to get a John. It, you know, and if you're not from here, you wouldn't know. So that's an example of a colloquial language piece that you might want to pick up with a client. And say, hey, what does that mean? What does that mean to you? And of course, keeping your own language in check in a way that is culturally appropriate for you and your clients or everyone that you're working with. Another standard that we're looking at here is abiding by the ICF code of ethics and 
upholding core values. Again, we're going to take a deep dive on why the ICF Code of Ethics is a really valuable document later. Um, But for now, know that it is a living, breathing document that is truly there to support you as a coach. So implicit in this competency is if there's a living, breathing document that's there to support you as a coach, you need to know what's in it. (laughs) You need to read it. And if you're thinking about becoming a coach or you're already a coach and you want to become an ICF coach practitioner, go to the ICF website, read the code of ethics, and beyond that, read the interpretive statements, because this will truly give you all of the information that you need to decide if this is the right profession for you, and if the ICF accreditation, the ICF credential, is the right one for you, because these are the ethics and standards that you're going to have to abide by in order to maintain your credential. Next up, we have confidentiality. And Confidentiality is is fascinating in coaching because coaching is not a privileged discipline. So a doctor or a lawyer or a therapist has a privileged relationship with a client. That means that that person uh, who is the practitioner does not have to disclose any information about that client if they are subpoenaed in a court of law. That is not true of coaching. Coaching is not a privileged relationship. And so coaches need to be very familiar with the bounds and limitations of confidentiality within our discipline. One of the things that is not surprising, but often surprises folks who are new to this profession is that confidentiality starts before a contract even begins. And confidentiality holds even if you've never worked with that person. Say a big movie star comes to you and says, hey, I'd like you to be my coach. Let's talk. And you have the meeting and the person doesn't end up hiring you. Confidentiality still holds according to our ICF code of ethics and according to uh, demonstrating ethical practice, we need to keep our lips sealed that that exchange ever happened. And that's just a professional courtesy. This is another reason why it's a great idea to become familiar with the ICF Code of Ethics and all of the nuances that exist therein. After we're talking about confidentiality, the ICF wants us to look at maintaining the distinctions between coaching, consulting, psychotherapy, and other supporting professions. This is a conversation that I have all the time with students, prospective students, and alumni who are really seeking to get their language down. Coaching is a verbal discipline, and part of being a strong practitioner in coaching as a verbal discipline is being able to talk about what coaching is and what coaching is not. So really fundamentally here, coaching is a discipline where when you work as a coach, you are serving as a co-equal strategic facilitator of someone else's life. You are not directing your client. You are not giving advice to your client. You are not giving your opinion to your client on what you think that they should do. That's a big difference between, let's say, coaching and consulting. When you're hired as a consultant, you are literally being hired to tell someone what you think they should do. Now, that's great. 
if you have the technical expertise. But what I love about coaching is the freedom that exists in being a really good strategic facilitator who doesn't have to have all the answers. This means that as a good coach, I can coach anyone on any topic because I know that the person in front of me is going to have the best information about their life, the best information about their own problems, and the best information about what the solution set could possibly be, right? Or thinking about the difference between coaching and therapy, or, or as the ICF terms it, psychotherapy, we're talking about the difference, again, between strategic facilitation and medical treatment. Coaching is not by any means a, a simple discipline. The literature is vast. The empirical underpinnings are fascinating. And yet coaches are not trained to provide medical treatment. Folks who operate as psychotherapists go to school for far longer than coaches do. They jump through so many more hoops and they should because they are providing medical treatment to folks based on disease or malady, right? A coach, on the other hand, is coming in and working with a person uh, on where they want to go, what they want to do, what change they want to see in their life. And it doesn't provide any type of medical treatment for that person to overcome uh, some type of disease-based Malady. So that's a really important distinction that we're working with there. But another really common one is the difference between coaching and mentorship. So where consultants tell someone what they think they should do, mentors tell someone, well, this is what I've done. This is how I did it. This is the path that you can follow if you want to be like me. And as a coach practitioner, None of that enters the conversation. It's mirroring the client, drawing the genius out of the client, drawing the knowledge out of the client, and centering the client at every turn. And that actually has a really important function because the more we take and center the client at every turn, the more we reinforce for the client their own capacity, their own agency, and their own wherewithal to direct themselves in the world. And I can't think of a, a better gift of freedom to, to give someone as a result of your partnership than the gift that they know themselves best, that they are whole, capable, and good, and that they are capable of directing their lives in the direction of their choosing. And finally, as we're thinking about how we demonstrate an ethical practice, um, it's, it's having also the wherewithal and the awareness as a coach when you need to refer someone out to a different kind of helping professional. So just as we talked about consulting, mentoring, psychotherapy, you know, or any other kind of medical treatment. One of the questions that I get often from folks are, well, how do I know if I'm not conducting therapy in a session? And my first question is, well, have you ever been trained as a therapist? <laughs> if you have not been trained as a therapist, rest assured you're not conducting therapy in session, you don't know how. Um, and coaches will often 
bump up against experiences in session where things just don't feel right. Maybe someone is processing stories over and over again, or they're sharing traumatic events that they've never shared with anyone. Those are really key indicators that somebody's in the wrong space. As a coach, if you feel like you're in over your head and you don't know what to do, listen to your intuition. Referring out to another coach or another kind of helping professional or to a therapist or to someone with different or greater expertise is in your interest because you want to um, be meeting coach and client in, in a viable space for both parties. And when a coach proceeds down a path that they're not equipped for, number one, they're violating the terms of ethical practice of the ICF. And number two, it hurts the coach and it hurts the client. Um, what you do as a coach and how you function as a coach is valuable, important, um, and really cool all on its own. And so I guess the takeaway from this is be who you are. Um, being Becoming an ICF professional is a really worthy uh, credential to gain all on its own. The impact that you will have as a coach is so far reaching. Um, and I encourage you to, to get in tune with the ICF Code of Ethics and to learn a little bit more about what it can do for you. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Everything Life Coaching. If you're feeling the draw to become a coach, head to lumiacoaching.com slash everything. Explore a new career that brings fulfillment, gives you a true sense of purpose, and a bold community to do it with. Lumia is ready to equip you with the tools, training, and community you will need to reach your goals. If you're ready to build a unique coaching business on your own terms while making an impact on the world at large, Lumia is the next bold step in your coaching journey. That's lumiacoaching.com slash everything. And hey, if you're waiting for a sign, this is it.